0: Amen. Thank you, Pastor. It is a privilege to, to stand before you at any time and speak. And this this series we're doing, we called it um, I Need. We have needs, right? Sometimes we want to deny that or act like other people have needs. I have. Well, we all have needs. So we're calling it I Need. If you would like to follow along, if you use the I version or U version Bible app, you can follow along if you just open your device and go up into the menu. I'll show you how real quick how that works. Just just hit the menu up there, hit where it says live, and then it'll walk you through it. If you want to follow along, notes like this. But as I said, the, ser- the sermon series we're going to call it. I need pastors going to speak next week, and then as Pastor Jeremy met, he didn't mention the rest of us speaking. He just kind of pointed out when anyway. I'm just kidding. Then the youth are the youth are, are speaking in the 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 third part, and then the following the fourth part is is uh, Joe Gabbard. So we're looking forward to all of these. Parts of this series, as we talk about this this morning, and I was thinking about needs. I was reminded about something that happened to me years ago. I had just been in—I'd been in the ministry like a year or two—and finally could afford to buy what I've always wanted for a vehicle. Did you guys ever get there? Actually, I didn't. I didn't get to buy that Corvette, that '64 split window. No, it wasn't that. What it was was a Jeep. I wanted a Jeep so bad, and I went and I started looking at them and. I realized, you know, even back then, I mean, the, the best I could get. D- did you know you could buy a Jeep literally completely stripped down? That's what I could afford. <laughs> so they, it had a back seat, but that was it. No carpet. I'm talking it was stripped down. No radio, no nothing. And I'm not really, a, I, I mean, I enjoy music, all sorts of music, almost all kinds of music. Uh, but, I, you know, it came to a point where I thought, I, I need a radio, so I went to, uh, back then, this is San Diego, they had a Price Club, which was, you know, before Sam's Club and, and Costco, but a similar idea. So I went and I bought a radio that had the installation package with it. And so, uh, you know, I thought, oh, that was cool. And, you know, it wasn't very much. I didn't pay very much for it. So then I got the installation instructions, and uh, it said I had to go to this one shop to get it done. So I went, and I drove there, and it was, I know not everybody knows San Diego. I grew up in San Diego, but I had to, I had to go to El Cajon, which is kind of out in the sticks at the time. So I remember getting out there, and I thought, I had this little tiny shop, and I went, and then the guys just rolled their eyes, and I said, well, what? And he goes, ah, we don't make any money off these installations. And I'm thinking, okay, well, still, I mean, I <laughs> paid for it, you know, and they're like, well, okay, we'll get to it, it's going to take a few hours. So I remember sitting there thinking, what am I going to do for a bunch of hours? You know, this is long before cell phones or, or iPads or anything like that, you know, and there were no magazines to read, and I was just sitting there, I, I don't know what I'm going to, you know what, I'm going to walk around and see what's around here. So I started walking, and and, uh, alcohols change now, it's really nice, but back then it was just kind of just dirt everywhere and sidewalks, and I was just walking and walking, and I see ahead of me this this older man, and he was walking. I couldn't tell where he had come from, but I thought, well, I'm going to catch up to him and talk to him. Anybody else like that? I'm (laughs) probably that guy you probably run from, but... (laughs) So I just kind of hurried up, and I got up next to him, and I said, hey, how you doing? He didn't even look at me. He just kept walking. So I thought, well, he's old enough. Maybe he can't hear me. (laughs) So I said, hey, how are you? And he looks at me and he goes, oh, I heard you. I'm like, oh, okay. So how are you doing? You know, I'm walking, we're walking. He still didn't answer me. I thought, oh, this is rough. (laughs) I said, so bad day? And he looked at me and he's like, every day is a bad day. I thought, oh, wow, that's sad. That's really sad. (laughs) I said, every day? He goes, every day. And he goes, you see this? And he pulled up his shirt. I'm like, I did not want to see that. And he said, yeah, nothing works anymore. And he had a bag sticking out there. I'm like, oh, okay. And he's still walking. And then that's it. I'm like, well, what, what, uh, well, what about, where are you walking from? And he says, oh, there's a home back, back that way. And that's where I walked from. I said, well, where are you walking to? And he goes, I don't care. All right, it was rough. I'm just looking for a little, you know, conversation. And he's like, I don't care I said you don't you don't you mean you're just gonna walk till you get tired And he goes I don't even care if I step right into traffic right now then he started to get to me then I, then he I said well hold on things do matter I mean you you matter and he's like I don't matter to nobody at all I said what about your family he goes they're either dead or don't talk to me then it then it's getting serious right then, you know what, to be honest, that was a little more in than I intended to get. <laughs> I was thinking we'd just talk and shoot the breeze and, hey, the weather's hot. And, so I said, wow, that's sad. And he goes, no, not so much. I don't like them. They don't like me. I thought, wow, ouch, ouch. And as we kept walking, it hit me. It is, he does need them. And that is why he's so miserable and why life was so sad and pointless I said, well, what about church? You ever been to church? And he said this. And then as a minister, I mean, this just killed me. He goes, I've been in church 60 years. I said, oh, wow. And life's really that sad? He goes, well, it's the same kind of thing. They don't talk to me. I don't talk to them. I said, wow, really? I said, and you still go? He goes, well, yeah, I, I, I go, but I don't, they don't care about me, and I don't care about them. And that's how the conversation went. I said, so finally, I just said, well, I got to go for the gold here. So what about Jesus? Do you know him? And he's like, you know, I've been in church, I got I, yeah, 60 years, I got that part. He goes, I don't see Jesus very much. He goes, I don't even know if he knows where I'm at right now. So here I am, you know, just this punk kid, really. I'm sure he looked at me like, I don't know who you are. You don't know nothing about life. You know, I was 21, 22, something like that. I'm sure that's what he thought. And you know what? Largely, he was probably right. But as we were walking, I just said, no, no, you got it wrong. Jesus does know you. He cares about you. He cares about all those relationships that haven't been working in your life, your family, your church. He cares about all those. And then he said, well, why, didn't it, why isn't my life any different then? You know, and, and now, now you're talking about a counseling appointment there, right? I mean, like, man, we got to go back over 60 years of choices that led you to this point in your life where nothing else matters. So we talked and talked, and we got to the curb, and, and uh, you know, he, he went his way, I went my way, and, you know, it was so sad, I mean, I, I, I have thought about him for over 30 years because he was in church for 60 years, and he never had the connections that make life count. I need, you know what we need? You know, one of the most important things we need is we need meaningful relationships, And I'm looking at a man that's a shell of a man, really. Because here he is at the end of his life, and what he needed most he didn't have at the end of his life. And I'm thinking, where was it that he stopped making those relationships? And what happened? I don't know. It could be his fault. It could be other people's fault. I don't know. There's a lot of good reasons. And every one of us, probably right now, are thinking of a story where a relationship has gone wrong or been unfulfilling or didn't last. Or There's reasons for that. And I know some of them are legitimate, and it's not all... You know, we're not about finding fault here, but somewhere along the line, he missed it. He missed what he should have had and what he should have had at church. He should have had that at church, and he didn't have it. And what's sad, and I see a direct connection here. Not only did he not have it at church, but I would, I'm proposing to you today that partly because he didn't have it at church, that he didn't have the relationship with Christ, that he needed. And that makes everything worthwhile. Everything worthwhile. I mean, if you don't have the relationship with Christ, there's nothing. And the truth is, a lot of times, the majority of the time, it's the people in our lives who not only draw us into that relationship with Christ that keep us planted there and help us walk through this life. Because life isn't easy. Bad things happen to everybody. Everybody. And it's those relationships that make the difference. And when I heard him say that he'd been in church 60 years, and I'm thinking, oh, God, please don't let that be the story of anybody and any church I'm ever a part of. Don't want that to ever be the case, ever, ever, ever. We need those meaningful relationships because they're the things that anchor us to each other and then ultimately anchor us to Christ. Did you know that they say that over half of people who've never, ever been to church say they would go to church if a friend or a relative invited them? You know what the key is there? Relationship. 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 Because they know you. They know who you are. They trust you. They know your life. They see it. It's relationship. And then that can pull them in and make all the difference in the world. We need those things. Here's another sad thing. We were reading some of the, the part of the, the paper that pastor's talking about here that talked about, about young people. They, they pulled people And said, what are the things that have drawn you uh, into the most of of your spiritual relationship? That's what's sad. What's helped you grow in your faith? Church wasn't even on the top ten of the list. How can that be? How can that be? Here's what they said. They said, prayer, family and friends, Bible, having children, and then they mentioned a relationship with Jesus. Church actually ended up way down like 13, 14, 15 do you know what those other things, though, that I just mentioned all have in common? It's relationship. Again, it's relationship. And if they were finding, if people were finding those kind of relationships with us in the church, then that would be a natural, natural step for them to come to Christ and to be involved. It's just, it's just how that is. But the truth is that our world today almost, almost aggressively fights against relationships. Have you noticed that? You know, there's an acceleration and a complexity in our culture. It's like, it's like the world is speeding up. And I know I was talking with the primetimers last Tuesday a little bit about this, about how some of the things that our kids, my children, children know about, they grow up just knowing, didn't even exist. I remember when my dad brought home the first calculator that was ever in my house. I remember that. Now we all have a calculator on our phone, right? And you want to see a regular calculator, they're, I mean, they're kind of hard to find. But I remember it, and it was a big deal because my parents may listen to this, but I'll just tell on them anyway. They actually had a fight over it because of how much it cost. Because my dad had to, he was in a class, he was taking an MBA, and he had to get this really fancy one. It was like that big, too. And it was like that thick. And it cost so much, and we're like, why did you have to buy someone's expensive? That's the world. It's changed like that. It's just changed. I remember going on a field trip in 10th grade to UCSD, University of Southern, California, San Diego, to see their computer lab. And we walked into this lab. It was as big as this stage. And the computers almost went to the ceiling. And they had huge reels with just tape on them, like a, like a, like a cassette tape, but they were ginormous. And it was freezing in there. I guarantee you that the phone in your hand or pocket is probably more powerful than those were. That's the world. It just speeds up. And as the world speeds up like that, as all this complexity comes, there comes an information explosion. And I think one of the problems is, is we get a disconnect between, sometimes between the church and this world we live in. It's as if everything in the world is speeding up and it's so complex and there's so much information, and yet sometimes maybe the church feels like it's stuck behind the times. Like why would anybody come and build relationships here when the real world is moving so fast out there? Can be a problem. Can be a problem. Relevance is important. I mean, it makes we gotta make sure that it's relevant. And life seems so complicated. It's just like there's so much information and opinions and, and worldviews. Our young people are confronted with that so much earlier than we were. I remember the first time I met a real atheist, I was already in college. And I remember talking to him and and it was almost like it was I was at the zoo. Because as I was talking to him, I'm like Oh, this is what I've heard about. Oh, yeah, and he's, he's going on and on, and for me, it's like this, I'm kind of removed from it thinking, oh, yeah, I'd read about people like this. It's not like that anymore. Now they're evangelical. Do you know that, right? Atheists are evangelical, and it's everywhere, and they push this idea that there is no God and everything in the world can be explained by natural processes, and it's everywhere. It starts, you know, in the Discovery Channel and, and PBS, and it's, it floods everywhere, so, it's no wonder why maybe people hesitate to make relationships with you, Bible believing, believe in God, supernatural weirdos, right? <laughs> hmm. The church should be a place for deep and thoughtful answers to a world that is challenging and different and changing all the time. Do you remember the first time you met someone of a different faith? And they really believed it, talked about it. Have you ever had a conversation like that? I I still remember all those first times because they were so significant. Because in my world, I was surrounded by real Christians, real Bible-believing Christians. And then every once in a while, someone would break into that bubble like, whoa, they don't believe what I believe. Why do I believe what I believe? And those are the answers people need to come to church for. But I think a lot of times, we aren't telling our story enough so people don't want that kind of relationship that would bring them in here. We need to be more more inclined with it. I, uh, technology can be so isolating, can't it? I mean, we have this technology. I've seen commercials today. It cracks me up, you know, where all the kids are on their phone at dinner or, you know, that kind of thing. It can be. It can really separate people. And I've run into people, friends of mine recently, it, it just... Just the other day, I talked to a, the, the administrative assistant that I had at, at Sheffield just three years ago, and we were kind of catching up, and she said, well, I feel like I know everything because I follow your family on Facebook. I said, well, that's great, but and th- there is a separation there. It's not the same. You know, you don't really talk talk all the time. We might know about people, but we don't know them. We haven't, we haven't followed through with the final connection. And I think technology is awesome. I love it. I use it all the time. That's why I encourage you to use that Bible app and follow along with your own notes. I mean, you can put your own notes in there and then save it if you want and learn from it. I know I used to be, I always have a pad of paper and write notes that way, you know, but now it's so much more convenient. I can use my phone and it goes right to my computer and it's something I can, I can then use, you know, things the pastor says, I can take it and then I can apply it in different places. I mean, technology is amazing, but it can separate us if you use it wrong. And I saw this commercial. this dear lady. She cracks me up in this, this, uh, this, com- anyway, you can see it. Just, it's just Instead funny. Instead of mailing everyone my vacation photos, I'm saving a ton of time by posting them to my wall. Ooh, I like that one. It's so quick. It's just like my car insurance. I save 15% in just 15 minutes. I saved more than that in half the time. I'd unfriend you. That's not how it works. That's not how any of this works. 15 minutes for a quote isn't uh, how it works. She cracks me up because obviously she's using the, the technology wrong, right? Yeah, her wall is in her house. The, the point is that technology is awesome, but only if it's used correctly and only, only if it works. You know, our, our, uh, our vision here at the church is to grow, connect, and go. One of the most important things we want to do as a church is make sure that we are connecting in meaningful relationships here, that those relationships are happening. Unfortunately, our lives can become so busy and cluttered, and yet relationships are what adds meaning to life. It gives us worth. We feel like it's worthwhile when people know our name and know our story and who we are and where we're coming from and what we're struggling with. And when they pray with us and care about us, one of the deepest human needs is to be known. To be known. I was telling somebody the other day, you know, one of the arts of conversation is just to ask people questions. Because everybody wants to tell you about them. That's not, that's not self-centered, really. It's just who we are. We want to know. And we want people to know what's going on. What I love about the Bible is, is God, he, he has talked about all of these human needs so in-depth. It's everywhere in Scripture. One of his greatest concerns is not only relationship with us, which is why he sent Jesus in the first place, is he wants a relationship with us. I was listening, Maybe, maybe you could do this sometime. I was, maybe you've seen the billboard for Phil Robinson with that I Am Second video. If you've not seen those, I challenge you, just you know, go to YouTube and put in I Am Second Phil Robinson. He never knew that Jesus died to Put, put us into relationship with God again. He'd never heard that growing up until he, he ended up becoming a Christian. P- Some people don't realize that. That's what the Bible's about. But in the process, God also wants us to be connected to each other. He wants every one of us to have that kind of relationship. I want us to, to either turn in your scripture or whatever and, and look at this Bible, this portion of scripture, 2 Corinthians 5, 15 to 16. says, He died For everyone, so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ, who died and was raised for them. That's what I was talking about. He sent Christ to die for us so that we can be connected to him. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. It says we have stopped, but let's be honest, we haven't stopped, right? Okay. At one time... We thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. And then the next two verses. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And it doesn't end there. Look what it says next. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. Pastor talks a lot about getting our works done. This is our task; it's to reconcile other people to Him, and the way you do that is primarily through relationship. You need relationship with them, and they need it with you. And as a result of that, they come here or with you, and they 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 make a relationship with Him. It's a beautiful thing. It's an incredible thing. Meaningful relationships. Relationships draw people to Christ. That's just how it works. So how does this happen? How do we do it? What's, what's the process? I think the first thing is for us to realize our need for relationship. The first thing, of course, is we need to realize a relationship with, that we need a relationship with God, but then we need those relationships with each other. I know some of us feel like we don't, or maybe you have enough already. Maybe you already have your grape of friends. That is awesome. But the body of Christ isn't one of those things where it just it's filled up and, okay, we're full, go to the next door doesn't work that way. I want to challenge you to something greater. I want to challenge you to, to widen your circle for a relationship. And that's going to be uncomfortable for some. I realize that. I know it. But I'm challenging you today to open your circle, to love people like Christ loved. One of the things I think that constantly confused the religious establishment and even his disciples is there was nobody off limits to Christ. In that day and time, people were dirty and smelly and diseased, and there was a horrible division between the haves and the have-nots and children and adults and religious and non-religious and sinners and holy, and Christ opened his arms to everyone, every single one. We are challenged to do that. Between generations, I challenge all of us, young, young adults, Middle, older, we need, to, we need each other. We need each other in a way that crosses all those generational boundaries. One of the things I've always been impressed about Crown Point Church is that we, we do that here. I love how, I remember the first time we came to a, to a big worship prayer service, and it was so loud, it was so loud that I thought, maybe I should sit in the back. Nah, I need to sit in the front. <laughs> so as I came up front, there was all these older people up front. I thought, wow. You don't see that in a lot of churches. A lot of churches, you see them saying, turn it down. You know what we need to do is listen. Listen to each other. Young and old, middle-aged kids, economically, stage of life. Whether you're young or young adult, kids, no kids, grandkids, mothers of preschoolers, whatever it is. I want to challenge you to do this too. Use technology to connect. Obviously, it can separate us, but don't let it. You can, you can use anything for good. It's an incredible tool that you can use for God's glory and make it it something that connects. Remember the first time that Pastor Jeremy and I led the kids to kids camp? And I remember when we were up there, we thought, oh, this is cool. Hey, we can post pictures right now to the church Facebook of the kids. We thought maybe the parents would appreciate that. And we started getting texts from the mom saying, thank you so much. I miss my baby. Look, I get to see them. They're having fun. They're happy. I didn't know if they would enjoy it. Then they said, And by the way, he's wearing the same clothes he left the church in. (laughs) Like, oh, yeah, well, we're going to didn't notice that, but now we do. And we're going to take care of that. Technology's awesome if you use it right. Texting is amazing. You don't always have time for a phone call. And I know for me, there's times where I put it off and I think, I don't have time for a real phone call right now. I'm going to call them and then I never do it. But what I find is if I can text somebody, yes, it's not a phone call. Yes, it's not a face to face, but it is a connection. And I've told you this before. My dad texts me every day, every day, and I, I wait for. Him. And if he doesn't text me, I text him because it's a connection that we have every day. I love it. Skype, Twitter, Instagram, whatever, Snapchat—I don't care. But make it happen. Even if it's a phone call. Do you remember when phone calls cost money? Now, obviously, your cell phone costs money. I'm not—I'm not naive to that. But do you remember when you didn't call somebody because it was long distance and you knew it'd be long and they talk a long time and you thought I can't afford to call them right now? Do you remember that? I remember when Nicole and I were kind of dating long distance. She was in Missouri as I was in California. We actually had phone bills one month that we, we could have flown and seen each other. <laughs> well, now you can reach out and call anybody. Make it happen. Next thing, big church, little church. I hear this all the time. Well, I don't want to be part of a big church because then you won't know anybody. You know what? There's a way to make a big church small, any church small, and that is to make it, make it a place where there's relationships, one one thing I want to just encourage you to do is one of the best things you can do is serve together. When you volunteer in a ministry together, it's amazing the relationships you build. It's incredible. It's so awesome because you're doing the same thing, working side by side whether it's youth or greeters or kids ministry or ushers, one of the makeover teams, you know, doing construction, life groups. This church has some great great life groups. We have groups for men. We have groups for women. We have senior groups. We have groups, we have a new one starting tonight for young, well, it started a couple weeks ago for young adults, as Pastor mentioned. And it'll be here at 6 o'clock tonight at the church. We have another new one starting for younger families. The, The rights are hosting, the information's in the bulletin about that. We have some that have kids, some that have no kids. You know what, too? There's a little, we want more. We want more life groups. If there's an area that you're thinking, I don't know if I, maybe I could start one that would fit this. And you know what else? You don't even have to, I think some people are hesitant because they think, well, I, I, I don't want to host it and teach it, and maybe I'm not great at teaching. You know what? There's some people who could teach, some people could host, but we need more of those. So here's, here's my big challenge. This week, can you imagine if we were a church where everybody knew your name? Where everybody knew and cared about what you were working through. Where everybody loved you in spite of your shortcomings and failures and personality quirks. Have you heard this definition of marriage? It's people who love each other even though they know each other. (laughs) A church where people cared so much that they prayed for you by name. And they're willing to walk through tough times with you and celebrate joys with you. I want to challenge you to a couple things. This week, I know there's a challenge for everybody, but to connect with someone here that you don't know. Connect with someone outside of here who needs to connect with Jesus. Literally open your circle in your life. Do you... Do you realize this is the will of God and he will help you do these things? When I'm challenging you to this, it's not like I'm saying you change your personality and do, I'm not even saying that. What I'm saying is just, just link arms with what God wants to do in us already and let him work through you to do that. That's what he does. He works through us. I want to challenge you to rekindle relationships with an old friend. Make a phone call. Take Take that time that it takes to make that happen. Would you bow your heads for a second with me? With your heads bowed, I want to ask you a quick question. I mentioned a few times that we need a relationship with Jesus, with God himself. I believe that there's probably some people in here who maybe you're on a path to that relationship. You're curious about it. And you would like to either begin that relationship or, or... Have us pray with you about that relationship. What I'd like you to do is just raise your hand where you're seated. I'm not going to have you come forward. What I'm going to do is I'm going to pray with you. But anybody here have that? They would like to make that relationship with Christ or start that? Anybody at all? Just raise your hand really quick. Because you may have picked up. That's the most important thing. All right. With your head still bowed, though. I'm just going to ask a personal question, and I, I, I want to pray with you about this because I know it's difficult. I've challenged you to do some things this week, but I realize that some of us in here may have felt like, you know what, I needed a friend and they weren't there for me. Or I've had relationships and they were broken and I'm not sure I want to risk again. And I understand how that is. And for some of us, we may need some healing there for us to then do what I'm challenging you to do today. And if that's you, I just want you to raise your hand real quick. Some hands shot up really fast. Just raise your hand for a sec. You can put it back down. I want to pray with you before we move on with the rest of the service. Father, we offer, offer up our hearts to you to, today. God, we are, some of us are broken.